Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast, hosted by three friends who were brought together by their heroin-addicted partners. We became each other's biggest support through some of life's toughest times. We're not licensed professionals, and nothing in this conversation is professional advice. But we hope our stories offer a glimpse into how these issues weave into our everyday lives. You're not alone. We can all get through it together. If you're listening, you probably know we met at a family support group and our bonds have grown stronger through sharing our stories and supporting each other. When we think about the thing that's helped us most, it's that. So we'd like to extend that community to you. If you're feeling like no one understands what you're dealing with or you're looking for a community of like-minded individuals, consider joining our virtual support group. For details, visit us at recovering2.com. We know what you're going through and we're here to help. We're Recovering Too. everyone. Welcome to Boy Problems Podcast. Today is an amazing day, a day I didn't think would come. My mother-in-law is here, Steve's mom. Yay. Dun, dun, dun. Welcome. This will be fun. Yes. So she's excited. She's nervous. Um, and she has the trifecta. So she is the mother of an alcoholic addict. No. Yes. You're a mother. You're a sibling (laughs) of uh, a brother who deals with substance use disorder. Alcoholism is his drug of choice. And your father was an alcoholic. And unfortunately he passed away from his disease of alcoholism. Yes. All of that's true. Okay. Well, we are excited to have you. Um, Why don't we, I don't know, you guys want to just jump in and start asking her questions? I think also um, some good background, maybe people will remember this from past conversations, but um, Alex and I both know Annette as well, um, mm-hmm. because the family support group that we reference a lot in our podcast, um, Annette uh, participated in for a while too. I can't remember, did you, Elise and Annette, did you guys come together for the first time or did Annette come later? No, I came came from the beginning. Okay, yeah. Along with my daughter, and we attended for about a year and a half. Right. Yep. Okay, that's what I was remembering. So we we all know each other and parts of the story. So it's kind of nice to like reconnect and see each other outside of our recovery group. Yeah, it's been a while since we've seen it has. Yes, it has. And if I could say too, I have so much respect for all you girls for what you've done as far as just educating yourself about addiction and with the podcast and trying to help others and let them know that what they're going through isn't, you know, just um, singled out with them, that there are a lot of other people that have gone through it too. Mm-hmm. that's sweet thank you thanks yeah Annette has listened to a few episodes recently yes I have. <laughs> she said she listened to the ones that she wanted to hear my opinion on and um the ones about when Steve was talking to us oh, okay yeah yeah were there uh, things in those that surprised you yes of course <laughs> and and also I just think as a mother you know, I know I didn't tell my mom everything and, and I wasn't an addict. So hearing him talk honestly about things, it was really kind of refreshing, you know, to know, to realize the struggle that he had that I, I didn't know he was going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point. So let's jump into your dad. Okay. So tell us a little bit about your dad. How old were you when you realized that something that drinking, maybe he would drink more than others? Well, I have a pretty good memory. Um, I would say I was probably about six. And I remember this one story just 
this one situation just sticks out in my mind. Um, I can't say I realized my dad was an addict or an alcoholic, but I knew it just caused tension. And I remember one day he was laying on the couch and of course he was drunk. I didn't realize it at the time. Um, and I was running over to the couch to see him. And my mom said, oh, be careful, don't knock that bear over. And he said, oh, she can do anything she wants to do. And at that time, it didn't feel right. But then as I became an adult, or even, you know, a young teenager, then it really started, I really started seeing that those kind of things had been going on for a long time. I just didn't realize it as a child. Was your grandpa an alcoholic too? Um, actually, if you guys want to go back, um, my, my great-grandfather, my dad's grandfather was an alcoholic. He committed suicide at 44. Um, my grandmother was... I mean, she drank socially, but didn't, would, never had any issues. But she had a sister that was an alcoholic and a brother that was an alcoholic. My dad's dad, um, he drank, but was more, um, I would say, controlled with it. He didn't... Um, I mean, he still went to work all the time and, and I don't ever feel like he had the issues with drinking, but there were times that he drank more than he should have. Um, so the, um, as far as addiction in my family, as far back as I know, there was at least someone in that generation. And I don't know as far as my, um, great-grandfather I don't I only know about him and you know the suicide and but it was always alcohol it was never anything other than than that yeah which at I mean that long ago narcotics I weren't available like they are now or who right. knows what it could have been yeah. yeah when you um say that you know addiction is in your family is that something that now because you've experienced it and know more about addiction that like looking back you can recognize like oh yeah my grandfather was probably an alcoholic or are those things that your family was like openly shared and addressed at the time um nothing was openly shared or addressed um and I think that's still actually part of an issue with me as far as being free and open about it, because I, that's not how it was growing up. Um, my grandmother told me the first time my grandpa worked second shift and she said the first time my dad came home drunk, he was 13 years old. And she said, all I cared about was getting him in bed before grandpa got home. So um, actually, as far as the disease of addiction, that was never even mentioned. I myself growing up, just knowing um, how drinking had affected my dad's life, life and especially um, he was only 52 when he died from alcoholism, alcoholism, but as he got older and the consequences of his drinking, I just knew that wasn't something you would choose to do. And I knew that he loved all of us very much. And I just knew that, I guess, no one, as far as the adults in my life, I kind of feel like I kind of figured it out on my own as far as feeling like it, it wasn't just an excuse or it wasn't just because they were lazy or 
it wasn't just because they didn't try hard enough. Because honestly, to this day, my mom would still say that about my brother. That your brother is lazy and that he doesn't try hard enough to stay sober. Yes. Or that he just wants to drink, you know, right. th those kind. Of, and, and that's, that's the kind of conversation. If there was any at all, that was the kind of conversation that went on. It was never, um, you know, alcoholism is a disease and, or, you know, can we try to get them help or get them in recovery or anything like that? I know when I was a little girl, um, my dad was um, at a hospital for his drinking, but honestly, I'm sure it was just to appease my grandparents. He was an only child and they were quite the enablers. And I felt, I always thought that that was probably just to get out of something that he was in trouble for or whatever. Now you got emotional when you were talking about, um, <laughs> she's looking at me, uh-oh. <laughs> you got emotional when you were talking about your mom and what she says about your brother and what she probably said about your dad. May I ask why? Because I honestly know that that's truly how she feels. Mm -hmm. And she's not ed educated on addiction. And that's why part of the reason I can't talk to her about it. Because I know immediately what her response would be. Right. You know. Because you've still not told her about Steve. No, I have not. No. And are you af afraid to tell her about Steve? I just know that she would never uh, truly understand. I know that she wouldn't. I'm ready to, I mean, this is something else, you know, this is, he's almost six years sober. Yep. 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 Five October, and a half. Yep. And um, I have, other than my husband and Steve's sister, I have told no one. Nobody knows. And I'm, I'm 12 years older than my sister and we are very, very close. And I still haven't told her. There's been a couple times I've been really close to telling her, but I just haven't. Why? I think at first I didn't want them to judge him. And I wanted him to have the space to recover if, if he was going to, I wanted him to have the space to recover and feel confident in where he was. You know, at first I, I didn't want people coming down and being around him and wondering if he was high or, you know, or even him feeling uncomfortable that everybody else knew. Right. But, um, I'm ready to talk to my sister about it. And I know that she, I know she will understand. Yeah. Sometimes I've found, and maybe this is something you're experiencing that the longer you wait to tell people, then the like harder it is to like bring yourself to tell them, like there have been things where, you know, something has happened with Jake and I don't tell my sister right away. And then down the road, I'm like, oh, I would tell her now, but it's like, how do you bring it up or I feel yeah. bad that I haven't told her already. And then I'm worried that she's going to be like hurt that I've kept this from her for so long. And then that also adds to me, like not sharing. So I wonder if some of that is mixed in with your feelings as well. I'm sure, I'm sure that it is. And I'll be truly honest too. I mean, at first part of it was me feeling like a failure as a mother too, sure. you know, because growing up the way I did, the most important thing in my life was always to be a good mom. And I, none of my friends, their parents weren't divorced. And I always saw everyone else as having these like beaver cleaver families, you know, <laughs> and not that I wanted it to be perfect. I didn't want my 
feel like it would be a perfect family, but I wanted to be perfect as a mother. Mm-hmm. And I felt at first like, and I still do in some ways that because I didn't see enough or I didn't do enough or I didn't understand enough, you know, so I still feel like that, that I failed in, in not personally, but just in, in ways that maybe I should have seen things before I did, because I never tried to hide. As I said, in my family, it was always alcoholism. And I never tried to hide that from my kids. I was very honest with them from the beginning. Um, Steve was, I think, about five when my dad died and his sister was about three. And as they got older, I, you know, I told them they've always been around my brother and they've known his struggles. And um, I mean, he would stay with us off and on when they were kids. And I always tried to make them very aware of um, their propensity to, to, but there again, I always um, put it with alcoholism, you know, with drinking and that you could, you know, you'll be caught up in it before you know what hit you. I never tried to hide that from them at all. I just never um, thought of any other addiction other than drinking. And Steve says that. Steve says you you guys had open conversations about alcohol. And so he thought he may have a problem with alcohol, but never thought drugs, like he could have a problem with drugs. And, and I'm sure that's right, because I never thought that yeah. either. Right. So I, I'm sure that, you know, you know, the three of us have felt similar, similar, okay, (laughs) similar to you in that, uh, you know, it's really easy to feel like somehow you did something. I mean, I'm not Charlie's mother, but even as his wife and spouse, there are things that I think I should have seen that I should have known, like I should have caught these signs or I should have said this thing and it wouldn't have created whatever situation but i i hope that you know that like that isn't your fault and you didn't cause it and you did and in fact i think what you did to support steve is like the best thing a parent can do and there weren't like there aren't a lot of parents like you that (laughs) that loved and supported him and gave him the space to recover and didn't judge and didn't like, if you hear stories about my family, not so supportive. And I just think that what you did is so amazing and you should give yourself credit for how you handled it and supported him and not the fact that it happened to him because that's has nothing to do with you. So I just want you to hear that, that, you know, you, you were a great mom and you still are. And like, you should, I think, I just think that's so obvious. And I just, to hear you say that is like, it broke my heart. So I just want you to know that, like, I wish there were more parents like you in this situation. So. Well, thank you, Alex. I appreciate that very much. You're welcome. Yeah. We all have to remind each other of that because even you can logically know something like, know that you have no control, but then the feelings are a whole other situation. And we've all been there where we've felt guilty or like we've done the wrong thing. And so it's really helpful. And that's, what's so good about having like a support group of people who understand it and can look at you and be like, Nope, I'm not letting you like blame yourself right now. And you know, like you are so much better than you're giving credit to yourself for. So glad you pointed that out Alex well thank you very much and I think also on top of you know just the normal things um you know of course Steve's dad passed away very suddenly so I was I was trying to be both of us and and from what Steve has said that was probably his first initial experimentation with 
um, you know, something other than maybe just marijuana. And so for a long time, I kind of beat myself up thinking, well, you know, you were so spazzed that you didn't see what was going on, you know? So we had that on top of it, but, and um, I mean, as far as smoking pot, I knew he did. Um, I did as a teenager and not, I didn't just blow it off and act like it didn't matter, but I also never th for an, I thought he would be just like I would be when it would be time to stop and, you know, you're, you're, you have a job and you get married and you're parents and you just naturally mature into things, you know, responsibility right. and, and things like that. And I just thought that's the way it would be. I just thought it was teenage experimentation, mm -hmm. you know? Right. So, so what did you think as a kid about your dad? Did you, I mean, was he always drunk on the couch? Like, did he ever come to your baseball games or your siblings games? Like, um, my dad was very involved. My brothers were very good athletes and he was their little league coach for like five years. Um, no, and it actually at a younger age, he was 22 when I was born. So, you know, say I was 15, he was 37, whatever. Um, he drank, but like we went to the lake every weekend and he drank at the lake. Well, everyone drank at the lake. You know, he, he didn't miss work. Most of the time he had two jobs, but um, like there's this one little league team picture and I know my dad is drunk in that picture. Oh. Now, maybe no one else might have not have, might not have known it, but I do just by the look on his face. I uh -huh. know he was drunk. Yeah. So there were, I think there were a lot of times he was probably drinking and either I was just a kid, you know, I didn't pay enough attention right. or whatever. And, um, but after my brothers got into high school, like at the halftime of the basketball game or whatever, my dad would always go out to his car. Well, I knew what he was going out for. And I think, you know, probably being an insecure teenager, I thought other people knew what he was going out to his car for. And mm -hmm. they may have, I don't know, but it was to drink, you know? So um, there were times he embarrassed me for sure that and and there again it may not have been i knew so i was embarrassed by it now right. where whether he was obviously intoxicated and other people knew it or not i don't know but i did so it was embarrassing for me i wonder if that embarrassment plays into your like not wanting to tell people probably yeah. to, to this day that you don't yes you do live in a small town very small town and so you know every time i go over to your house you're like did you know Susie sally from twice <laughs> removed you went to school with and so you're oh, you might God. be one of those stories yes and um and you are a good mother you know people know you in the community yes and to think that your son's a heroin addict yes that makes you nervous yes it does yeah and not only just, just for me, but living in a small town, I know that 20 people could tell me, oh, you know, I'm so happy Steve's doing well. And out of those 20 people, maybe two would really mean it. And the other 18 were just trying to get information out of me so they could go tell 30 other people. And that's honestly how it is. <laughs> I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's the way it is. Sorry. You know, yeah. Like um, his Steve's sibling always says, you're fake friends. You know, I mean, if you have, if I thought someone was truly concerned and had our best interests in mind I wouldn't mind as much talking but there are others that I know aren't sincere about what they're saying or asking me yeah 
So can we jump into your brother? I think we've talked about your dad. Um, You don't want to talk much about him because, you know, there's things, you know, you just don't want to talk much about him. And so because he has children and I feel like that that's not my place to really publicly say things uh, in detail, probably about him. Right. And I met him multiple times. He's a great guy. You do not allow him to come over to family gatherings intoxicated. No, I do not. So he has to sober up before he comes over. And I will say at the last, man, when were we together? Maybe Easter. Yes. He came over and he was getting food. And I said something about, about being sober or something like that. And he said, you know, I want to be at my sister's, but I really want to drink right now. And I, and my heart just broke for him because you can just see he loves and cares for you so much and you don't want him to be drunk and he wants to be connected with you. And it was just sad, you know, because, you know, talk about, you know, he's, he's lost a lot in his life due to his addiction. Absolutely. But he's, you know, he's, he's still drinking. And so, you know, I would hope that he could find a path to recovery. I, I don't know what that is, but, um, but it's just sad. You know, he's yes. a good guy. He, you know, does he know about Steve? No. No Do one Do you think does. that would be helpful for him to know that you've, like, that that's the situation and that to see a good example of that and to see what recovery can do? Well, actually, Steve and I have talked about that, about, you know, just if showing him that it can be done. Yeah. Um, just, I just talked to him today and right now he, he's on his high as far as he's doing very well. He's working. He hasn't drank. And when I say he hasn't drank, I'm going to say maybe for two or three week, weeks. That's on, I mean, honestly, it's a milestone. And he's so proud of himself for what he's doing, but he doesn't do anything at all to change the outcome you know Mm -hmm. he he doesn't attend any meetings he doesn't um do anything to to actually recover but he expects that this is going to continue right so he has hope which is cool yes he always has hope and i always have hope for him but he doesn't um, do, do anything to break the cycle of, okay, by the end of the month, I'm going to have 500 bucks. So I, and I can just get trashed, you know, and I will say to something that Elise said in one of your earlier podcasts, when she was talking about when they were in college and when Steve would drink or smoke or whatever drugs were involved, that his level of intoxication was beyond everyone else's. That's how my brother's is too. Always? Always. Always. He just went to the next level. Yes. And I mean, to the point, well, um, his last bender, if you want to call it whatever that he was on, he called me and he asked me what day it was. And he said that he had been blacked out for two or three days. And he said when he woke up, he had, I think, two empty fifths of whiskey. And he, and he said the worst part of it is I don't even remember going and getting it. So that is the level of intoxication that he gets to. And when Elise said that about Steve, it just, it was, you know, kind of an awakening moment to know that that, whatever that reaction is in your, that an addict's brain, that my brother and my son have that same, you know, connection as far as that how it affects them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I do wonder what it would be like for him if he knew that Steve could relate and if, for like if, what would happen if Steve shared a little bit of, you know, his journey. Um, question, 
does your brother and your mom, how does Steve feel about telling them? Like, is it something where he doesn't necessarily want to be the one to tell them, or he just hasn't told them out of respect from, for you not wanting to share? I'm just curious where he falls into, to the mix. Yeah. He's, he's not telling them out of respect for his mom. Gotcha. And the, and the funny thing is if he wanted to, that would be fine with me. Right. I don't think you'd care, but he knows that you haven't brought it up and you don't want to deal with it. I'm actually very interested to see because it is going to come out at some point and I'm interested to see your mom's reaction. Yeah, I am too. (laughs) Your mom's a firecracker. You think Annette's a firecracker? Her mother is a firecracker. (laughs) Well, now I think we're all interested to uh, find out about her reaction. So. (laughs) All right. Well, now that you brought up your kid, let's talk about your addict. Okay. So how about that? The first time, let me just tell a story. I found Steve foaming from the nose and mouth one day like any other day and call 911. It was about 4.30, go to the ER, you know, it was a whole thing. I text you guys at like three or four in the morning and you get pissed at me because you're like, why did you wait so long? You didn't tell me whatever. And this is all via text. And I'm like, whatever, Annette, I don't give a shit. Like I'm in, I'm in here with your son. Anyway, so she comes in and you come in hot. You were at like, he is on this BiPAP machine where it's like breathing for him the whole nine. He's hardly even, you know, he's got a 24 hour Narcan drip on him. And she comes in, you're at the foot of the bed. You storm in that room and you start yelling at him. If this is because of, I don't even know what you said, but if like, this is because of drugs, and you start laying in him. And then you started yelling at me. And I don't even know what you said, but I just remember thinking, fuck you, bitch. I've been up for how many hours with this dude? He has been an awful human being for years. And you just come in and light it up. That's just like, that's just my, the, the first story of where we kind of realize things are unraveling. And then, you know, more downhill. Well, well, number one, you have to remember too, I didn't know how bad things had been for years. Yes, correct. I mean, this was like my first experience with him, you know, with something like this happening. And I will say, number one, it's probably the reaction I was taught because I can probably guarantee you that would be exactly what my mom would have done. Um, and I do remember one thing I said. <laughs> I said, I told him because he always talked about the fork in the road and whether you're going to take the right path or the wrong path. And I said, you talk about the fork in the road, you're at the dead end, buddy. And I was <laughs> nice. saying that to him. You did. Oh, yes, you did. And at this point, we didn't even think it was drugs. The doctors were telling us it was pneumonia and sepsis. But right. you came in lighting it up with drugs. <laughs> Do you think that you like subconsciously knew that it was like drugs? Cause it like, I feel like there must've been some underlying, like where you guys had questions or you knew things weren't right. Like, yes. And maybe it subconsciously came out that way. Yeah. Cause you guys were asking me a ton of questions, you and his sister. Well, I will tell you one thing that was such a good cover for him When he was a little boy, my best friend who works in the medical field kept telling me, Steve has a sleep disorder. And so that was such a good cover for him because as he did get more involved into drugs and would like nod off and things like that, that was nothing unusual for him. I mean, when he was a little boy, he would come home from school and the first thing he'd want to do is lay on the floor with his blanket and crash. And he, so the fact of him like starting to nod off and things like that didn't set off any alarms with me at all because he'd always had such a strange sleep pattern and just slept a lot and could go to sleep very easily and he was working overnights right and he worked at night so he had you know a funky schedule and 
I did when I started to think, I think probably um, after he'd gotten out of college and was still living at home, but making a ton of money, but never had any money at all in his bank account. I knew then there was something going on. But of course, if I questioned him, then he would get mad because he was over age. He was still living in my home, but I didn't provide anything for him. He probably actually made more money than I did at the time. Yeah. Um, but I knew there was something going on, mainly because, like I said, at first with all of the money, just always gone every week. And I mean, he made, he had a very, very good paying job. And then um, after he and Elise got together, which they were together for what, six years before they got married. Um, and, and in her defense at first, I don't think she knew either, you know, but I would say there's something going on, what's going on. And, and she would say, you know, no, there's not, or it's okay or whatever. And, and like I said, at that time, I don't know that she knew what was going on, but we knew there was something. But when I really knew was I've always been very open just with about money. And um, actually, Steve had a couple friends that were allowed in my house when they were kids because they took money from me. Because if I had money laying on my kitchen table, I wanted to know it would be there when I came back. And he, Steve knew where I kept my money. And I just threw it up in the cabinet and he had been at the house. And I think actually Elise may have made him leave and he came to our house and um, he was, he told me he was going out of town. I don't know where he was actually going. And I made, because a couple times before that, when he had been at the house, I thought after he left, there was some money missing. So this time I made it a point to know how much was there. And after he left, I counted it and there was $80 missing. So I called him and I even gave him the out. I'm like, hey, you know, did you borrow some money? He's like, no, no, I didn't. Why? And I said, well, I could have sworn I had whatever it was. He's like, no, mom, you know, I didn't, I didn't take any. I said, okay, well, I knew then because I knew how much money I had. I knew how much money he had taken and I knew that he was lying to me about it. So I knew then. So know, at this time, did you, were you and Elise, did you guys ever compare stories or like let each other know like, hey, I feel like this is weird or you guys were just sort of on your own paths and both secretly thinking like something's up but just not talking about it. Well, I felt like I questioned her and, and there again, at that time, she may not have known. I think once things started coming out, then of course we talked about it, but I think um, Elise was probably hesitant to tell me too much, you know, as far as upsetting and, and I know that it was such a strain on their marriage. I didn't know it at the time because every time they were at our house, she always acted like everything was fine. Yeah. Elise, so, do you remember these, these times or remember the questioning and. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember. Yeah. Do you feel like you were, cause I know most of the time you were, you didn't know things were happening. Like you were pretty blindsided, but. Right. But like, I, I remember their questions and like, I would ask Steve and he would, he would say, oh, this, oh, that. And so I would just support his story. Like, oh, that makes sense, whatever it may be. So, so yeah, I, I remember them asking, um, uh, both of the, both him and his sister, his sister, um, was more aggressive in her questioning and things like that. Um, I mean, you both are very strong women. So um, you know, it was always just a, you know, they were coming at me. I was protecting my husband, my boyfriend, whatever it may be. So mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't think any of us, once the light bulb came on and we really knew there, there was something drastically wrong, I don't think at that point any of us turned a blind eye to it. Right. So um, let's like jump to that point at the time when, okay, so it comes out, Steve's using, he's getting help. Like, how do you feel you all came together and what were the dynamics there? <laughs> all right, you go. Well, see, it's funny because I look at it like probably opposite of Elise, just because I do love her so much. And it was funny because, um, I mean, at first, like I said, I was devastated. I was devastated because I thought that she would leave him and I wouldn't have blamed her one bit. Um, I was devastated to learn that my son, who I thought it's almost like there, you feel like everything you've ever known about them is a lie. Mm -hmm. You know, like this little boy that I had raised and, you know, that had won the mental attitude award in Babe Ruth because <laughs> of how he handled himself and, you know, just the pride you have in your child and to feel like that that's like, it's just not true. Mm -hmm. And, and I wanted so desperately to help him. And I think a lot of it was knowing or seeing how addiction, the alcoholism it had, had been handled in my family that nobody ever put in the work mm -hmm. to recover. That's interesting. And I didn't know that he could do that. that but at first, when we first went to, you know, to the meetings and I feel like it was very emotional for all of us, for including my daughter, for different reasons. But I wanted so bad to be involved with Elise and go through the journey with her. And then, you know, after I'd been coming, for, we had been coming for I don't know, however long, a year or so. And she's like, um, maybe you could come every other time. <laughs> and, and I know you girls have mentioned this on previous podcasts and about, I didn't, I wasn't mad. I honestly was not. It was more like, my God, haven't you, couldn't you figure out on your own that she needed her own space to talk? <laughs> But I obviously I couldn't. So um, but, hey, I mean that's the thing is every we all need this space to talk, and there's not that many options. So right, don't really make a project to go every week. And I and I hope I'm not hogging all the time because Alex, you aren't saying that. And okay. and I I told Elise earlier I was so part of my excitement about this was to hear you guys as far as um, how you see things, you know, with our situation, but no, the, um, family group taught me so much, even if it's things that I maybe still don't practice. I know I should, um, just like with being the honesty part of it, you know, um, but yeah, I mean, at first with not, not coming every week. It was more like I should have been hit in the head with a rock, you know, as far as letting Elise have her own time to share things. And I, and I'm sure I don't look at it as things she wanted to keep from me. I look at it as her wanting to be honest and share things and probably not hurt me or upset me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. A couple times I would say a couple things and you would, you would almost come to his defense, both you I'm, and I'm sister. sure I did. And I'm I sure I did. both of you guys, I think, realize that or said things. And so, and so, let, yeah. I mean, let's kind of hear from you guys' perspectives. I mean, your families, I don't believe came to family group. So what were your perceptions of our little threesome? Sorry, I'm not, I'm not not talking because you're talking too much. I keep muting because I was screaming child in the back. 
and I'm trying really hard not to uh, have that interfere with our recording. But so I already said a little bit about the support that um, Annette has offered. I just think that my view of it was like that it's great. I mean, I wish I had that. Like, I was just very you know, I'm not a sharer anyways. And then like to go into a room full of people you don't know, like to just have even one person supporting you, like that's amazing. So I just think it was really awesome. And I think that, um, yeah, that's just kind of how I feel about it. I think you've been a great support and it's obvious that you care deeply about Elise and Steve and their relationship. And like you put in the work too. And I think that it shows today, like you have a working healthy family and that's how you do it. You learn about it and you figure out your role in supporting each other. And yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I think it would be great if more people <laughs> learned from what, what you did. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I just think that, you know, it's an interesting kind of spot to be in because I mean, at this point, when Steve went into recovery, you'd known Elise for years. And as you mentioned, like you cared for her as a person and you love her and you, you know, you want her to be okay and you want their relationship to be okay. And then you want your son to be okay. And so I just think it could be kind of tough, like navigating each of those roles because sometimes they are conflicting, like supporting Elise and what might be best for her in the moment could kind of go against, you know, your son or vice versa, like wanting to stand up for your son. And, you know, then that kind of goes against Elise a little bit. And so it's a kind of an interesting spot to be in, but I don't think that, you know, that you did anything wrong. I feel like I remember you know, thinking that it was nice that you guys all came there together and you could tell that you had a close um, relationship. And it was interesting to hear sort of the different perspectives that the wife, mom, and sister all brought about the same person and how it's so interesting how each person's, you know, we all have an, a different lens, the way that we look at things. Like I know like Steve's sister you could tell how devastated she was because this was her older brother who she looked up to. And this was, you know, she had this idea of him in her head. And so I think there are a lot of times where it was really hard for her to hear things that maybe Elise said and, you know, like where you don't want to believe that. Um, and same for you, like you said, you, you know, you think, oh, I raised my son differently. And so now hearing this, it could almost come across as like an attack on your parenting skills, which was not the case, but just interesting to hear those different dynamics. And then I do remember like discussing with Elise sometimes like, oh, it would probably be awkward, like really being able to like open up or those times where you just want to be like, I'm so fucking mad at him or this shit that he did, like feeling like you would maybe need to like hold that in. And so um, I think it was probably best for everybody that she did like share like, hey, I would like to have some time by myself. And so I think you guys just all navigated it really well and the best that you could for a situation that like, there's no handbook. Right. For. Well, and um, so as we're kind of wrapping up, my question for you, as a mom of a daughter who's basically about the age of us, what did you as a mom think about Alex and Liz? They were in relationship. Now, you know, you can't necessarily think of me because I was with your son, you know, the whole nine, but like looking at them and now you know that they're, you know, partners, they have, you know, relapsed a handful of times and things like that. Their path has been different than Steve. So as a mom, like, what do you say to these two kind of knowing some of their <laughs> dirty secrets? Well, I would say number one, I have so much respect for both of you. I really do. And I think, um, I know when we first started, Alex, you were already married at the time. Mm -hmm. I think I probably thought more about Liz, because she wasn't in a committed relationship. 
a marriage. She had- right. I'm sorry. In a marriage. Yeah. And it's kind of like, why would you go down that path if you don't have to? Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I'm saying this as a parent, mm-hmm. as how I growing up in a dysfunctional household, my parents were divorced. They were both remarried and divorced. You had the, the alcoholism and my stepdad, who was a wonderful man, probably drank too much. Um, and having just all of that chaos that I grew up in, I think I thought, why would you choose that if you don't have to? Mm-hmm. You know, and it was more of that kind of perspective. And I'll be truly honest. I mean, as far as uh, Elise, I I didn't know that she was going to stick it out. I told her from the very beginning, I've thought that she was the best thing that ever happened to my son. And I truly mean that. And I, and I've told both of them, if the tables had been reversed and it's because it's not just you two, (laughs) I've told both of them, if the tables had been reversed, I don't know that I would have encouraged Steve to stay with her. You know, I mean, if, she was, You're a protective mama. <laughs> you would have said, leave that bitch. Yeah, I mean, if she, <laughs> seriously, if she was stealing from him and wrecking cars and passing out in gas stations high and, you know, all of the things that he was putting her through at the number one at the time that stuff was going on, most of it, I didn't know. Right. Because I would have been just as disappointed in my son. But if she had been doing all of those things, I don't know that I would have said, hey, I think I'll stay with her. You right. know? And so it was just like, I think growing up the way I did, it's like, why would you put yourself to that <laughs> torture if you don't have to, you yeah. know? And that's why I have so much respect for you girls for sticking it out for supporting your your spouse and your significant other and the commitment that you have to not only yourself but to them too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I just have so much respect for that yeah well I don't think that that is a um uncommon like reaction or thought of like why would you stay so not surprising there a a committed relationship's hard enough when things are good you know so and and being the age I I mean my Steve's dad and I were had been married for 20 years when he passed away and I was 21 when I got married so I had all the stupid immature stuff you know when we first got married and then um it was about four and a half years after he died I remarried and we've been married almost 17 years and it's like you know it's hard enough when things are good so yeah yeah um speaking of things being like good you mentioned earlier Steve is you know five and a half years sober um you guys have done a lot of like growth and healing in your your family unit and things be curious to hear like your perspective on on the changes that you've seen in Steve and the changes in your your relationship with Steve and the change between like in Steve and Elise's relationship, thanks to, you know, like this gift of recovery and the work, not only Steve's recovery, but the the work that all of you are doing on your own recovery. Well, of course, I'm so, so very proud of him and the work that he continues to put into his sobriety um, as far as being committed to his meetings and you know speaking when he's asked and um you know going above and on uh, beyond just going to my meeting every week I'm so very proud of that um I'm so very proud of Elise and all that she's done to support him and to make their marriage work and now that they have children they have a they have a great marriage it really reminds me a lot 
of me and Steve's dad because she doesn't take any crap off of him and just and it's I I love it that she throws it back at him you know but just like the other day he said I got some I got Elise some flowers and I said oh for what you know because I knew it wasn't any special occasion he goes well I've really been a D lately (laughs) okay he's really he said I'd really been a dick lately mom and he said I just want to tell her I'm sorry and that means so much to me for him to you know know that he's been a butthole or whatever to do something (laughs) about it Mm -hmm. and I know that they have a very strong committed relationship Um, I've seen physical physical changes. I look back at pictures of him where he had black circles under his eyes and, and, you know, now he's committed to his running and exercise. And so physically there's been a change. Um, I can honestly say that when he tells me something, I believe him. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's been very, very important to me. Mm -hmm. Um, because growing up, I was always like, you know, you start lying to me, then I'm not going to believe anything you say. And there actually was a point I didn't believe anything he said. Right. Or I questioned everything he said. And I honestly don't feel like that anymore. And he's even told me, you know, mom, you can ask me what you want. You may not like the answer, but I will tell you, well, I really don't do that because number one, the past is the past. And I feel like anything, I mean, he's the one that had to deal with that, not me. And I know, I mean, just knowing what kind of person I thought he was inside that he had to be tormented. Mm -hmm. I really always felt like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that whatever the, the things that he was doing, that that wasn't the person he wanted to be either. Mm -hmm. so I'm so proud of him and happy for that that I feel like that he can honestly be himself now is that your message to Steve because he's listening is that what you that you love him I love him with all my heart I love how much you love him and we'll end there Cause I don't want you to be a sobbing mess and then I'll be a sobbing match. Cause, and then it's going to get weird between us. So we, we won't do that, but Annette, thank you. It thank has been so wonderful much. having you on. You have been a wonderful light in my life. I don't have a, my mother is no longer with us. And so you bring that wonderful spirit. Um, albeit when we, we we do have a safe word if Annette's getting a little too too uh too into business we have a safe word um Oklahoma oh yeah if you hear me say she says Oklahoma I know I, I need to back off hey be careful Alex might steal that because Alex uh sometimes feels like we ask her too many questions so I need a safe word yeah, yeah. Safe word. you don't get it uh, well, I just wanted to say thank you for the um, the feedback you gave uh, Liz and I about kind of a mother's perspective. And I think for me, one of the biggest motivations of having this podcast and being open when I don't like to be is that, you know, like you said, Annette, you never really saw recovery as an option. You never saw that play out. Mm-hmm. And you know, probably six years ago, I didn't either for myself. I wouldn't have imagined being in a healthy relationship with a recovering person with a kid and like that being a working dynamic. I mean, it just, so I hope that this shows like we're able to demonstrate the, all the bad things that happen and how doing the work and showing up and setting boundaries and taking care of yourself could lead you to a beautiful relationship with whoever the person is that you're supporting. So yeah, I hope that one thing I will say very quickly, that was something that was very upsetting to me when we first started the family group, when everyone kept saying relapse, relapse, relapse. And I remember one evening I said, why, why do you have to relapse? Why does that have to happen? And it wasn't, and I realized later, it wasn't so much um, saying that 
it, it, it has to happen, but that you're prepared for it to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and it did once with us and we went on from there. But there again, I think not seeing that ever come, you know, to a full recover recovery with anyone that I ever knew that had an addiction. Um, I just wanted to know that it could happen. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, and I love you girls. I, 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 I wish we were in person. So I'm so I'm so proud. Of hugs. I'm I'm so proud of all three of you and and this podcast and what you're doing to help others and know that whatever it is they're going through it it can be okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. cool. All right, everyone. Well, that Thanks is a wrap on Steve's mom. So, Thanks for coming. Write us reviews. Tell her how much you love her and tell her how much she's a great mom and keep coming back. Thanks for tuning in to Boy Problems Podcast. If you enjoyed today's discussion, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this episode. Find us on social media. And if you have questions or ideas for topics, email us at hello at boyproblemspod.com.